0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. It's your boy, Sean Robinson, checking in as always. And sitting across the table from me is the one and only, my best friend, Mr. Zach Durkin.
1: What's going on, everybody? And yes, Sean, I am your best friend. And I guess you are mine as well. So let's get the show on the road. But before we start anything. We just want to apologize for not putting an episode out last week. You know, with the Super Bowl, everything like that, we know it was a big week. We apologize. Some unforeseen things happened out of our control.
0: Life comes at you quick, Zach Durkin. Let's just put it that way.
1: Exactly. But we're here now. Let's just focus on giving you guys a good show and enjoy this one because after this, we kick off into the NBA, being as though there's nothing going on with the MLB as of right now, except for the fact that If a new CBA rule passes, there will be a universal DH.
0: Yeah, man. So not too much going on in the world of sport right now. And, you know, with Super Bowl playing out the way it did, um, I think it was a very fitting end to uh, a 2021-2022 NFL season.
1: Yeah, the whole season itself was just wild. I mean, the upsets, the crazy stats. I mean, there was an extra game this year, which was cool. But I'm sad, man. I'm sad that football is over. It's going to be a long seven months before we can watch another game. But let's backtrack and actually talk about what happened this past Sunday at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, that is, where the Rams won 23-20 to over the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes,
0: Joe Shiesty and the boys. They uh, Well, at least they covered. I will say that. I, I did predict them to cover, and they did. Shout out to the four and a half. Unlike the blind confidence pool, you actually hit on that one. Yeah, I mean, listen... We can debate whether or not I really hit on the blind confidence pool because I thought that video came out chef's kiss and a lot of you guys also thought that so thank y'all run that shit up keep sharing it but uh yeah let's let's get into the game a little bit because all in all I thought it was a really well played game at least from a defensive perspective from both teams for the majority of the game
1: yeah both defenses put their best foot forward The Rams really couldn't do anything on the ground. The Bengals, they had their ups and downs throughout the game, much like the Rams did. But um, there were some key points in the game that I want to point out that really ultimately decided the end of the game. You know, let's just talk about my boy, Odell Beckham. Looks like he was going to tear it up that game. He probably would have won MVP if he hadn't gotten hurt with three minutes left in the second quarter. And from that point on, the Rams offense got lost for about (laughs) another quarter and a half, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much uh, up until what? Up until six minutes left in the fourth quarter, that Rams offense was pretty stagnant. And, I mean, Cam Akers not being able to do anything on the ground had a lot to do with that. The fact that you don't have a number two receiver outside of Cooper Cup after Odell goes down. They're just going to bracket Cooper Cup all game and make you throw to that number 18 guy who actually dropped the ball. That guy gave Matt Stafford his second interception of the game early in the third quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, and as far as the Bengals offense was concerned, I mean, they really couldn't do much of shit once they pissed off Aaron Donald. You know, they had the uh, 75-yard touchdown coming out of halftime, which was debatably an offensive pass interference. We can talk about that if you really want. but We'll talk about it when we go over the refs. You know, T. Higgins makes that play, and from that point then on, I think the Bengals only scored, what, three points after that?
1: Yeah, they only put up three points, and one of the plays that I want to talk about in particular is the one where Aaron Donald basically tossed Joe Burrow 15 yards out of bounds it was a clean play but he tossed him the uh bench got a little heated Aaron Donald started getting picked on a little bit by some of the guys and I think that ultimately lit a spark under his ass and he proved why he's been the best defensive player in the league for the last eight seasons since he's entered the league and
0: yeah I mean if you needed a fucking little history lesson on how dominant Aaron Donald has been we'll get to that in a second but you know That L.A. defense as a whole really started to step it up. Um, No thanks to Jalen Ramsey, by the way, who was getting fucking roasted all game. And if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, probably would have been the GOAT as in the biggest asshole uh, of the Super Bowl. You know, he got roasted to the tune of 160 yards all day by T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase. So, you know, I'd be uh, writing Aaron Donald... A check with my name uh, with his name on it and just have him put any kind of number he wanted on there because he's probably he's the reason why Jalen Ramsey is wearing a Super Bowl ring right now
1: yeah I mean let's be honest the bulk of that of those yards and the touchdown were given up on that debatable pass interference on T. Higgins but Jamar Chase he kind of roasted him all game starting off early with that what 40 yard pass the one-handed catch
0: down the sideline yeah I mean was phenomenal catch shades of your boy OBJ and I- I know they're ex-LSU boys, but yeah, I think we really saw Jamar Chase kind of take that leap into top 10, top 5 receiver in the league category. Oh, I, I think Bowl he's I think he's top 5. You I think, think so? He's, I think he's top 5 already. I think Ooh, he's just going to get better. Interesting. I mean, I can't wait for our top 10 shows because I think we're going to have... Our lists are going to look very different this year, so can't wait to do those. Those will be coming, you know, later in the summer and possibly in the spring, but back to the game, Um, you know, I feel bad for Joe Burrow, okay, you know, and this kind of goes back to the NFL draft, okay, and I had just mentioned this earlier, that last play of the game where, you know, Aaron Donald just destroys uh, the left guard and completely just hawks Joe Burrow down, Do you know what would have happened if Joe Burrow had just a split second more to throw that football? Yes, I do. Jamar Chase was wide the fuck open, streaking down the right sideline for a walk-in touchdown. And guess who was on the ground? Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. So, listen. I just want to send out a little PSA to all of the Bengals management, GMs, owners, I forget their names offhand, but hear me out. Don't fuck this up, okay? Do not fuck this up. Go out and draft every fucking lineman available to you. Any free agent, bring his ass in for an interview. I don't give a fuck what you need to do. Sign anybody. D- don't ruin this man's career, okay? Y'all have something special here, and we saw what happens to great players when their organizations don't protect them in Andrew Luck, okay? Just, just be smart with this Bengals. That's that's all I'm saying. That's I I, I love I love Joe Burrow. I think he's a great fucking player, and I think he is our generation's Joe Cool. So. I would hate to see his talent go to waste.
1: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to him being kind of the face of the NFL, along with Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert and all those young guys for the foreseeable future. But there is one more guy that I want to talk about going back to the Rams, and that's a man named Cooper fucking Cup, man. The dude probably had the best receiver season of all time. He had the receiving triple crown, Super Bowl MVP, Offensive Player of the Year. Now, only one other player in the history of the NFL has accomplished all of those. And that was Jerry Rice. He did that over the entirety of his career. Cooper, Cooper Cup did that in one fucking season. Exactly. And <laughs> Cooper Cup has slowly and quietly risen to be one of the best receivers in the league. I mean, in the Super Bowl, he had eight catches for ninety-two yards and two touchdowns. One could argue that the MVP could have gone to Aaron Donald, but outside of the first touchdown, which he just completely roasted Eli Apple, he was kind of quiet up until six minutes left in the fourth quarter. He came alive that no look pass from Stafford was. Mwah. And then he roasted Eli Apple, applesauce, on the last touchdown of the game. Fuck you, Eli
0: Apple. You're a bum. But Cooper Cup's nice, man. He's disgusting. I mean, there's not much else we could say. I mean, the guy, like you said, offensive player of the year, receiving triple crown. Just a phenomenal season by anybody's measures. By fucking video game standards, he's had a fucking phenomenal year, you know? Um, Definitely uh, should be looked at as, you know, top three, at least, at this point. After this season... I don't think we gave him enough love in our particular top 10s. I mean, the NFL is full of talented receivers. You know, that's not a knock on Cooper Cup, but we definitely we definitely undervalued just how great this guy is because it was a phenomenal season, and the pairing between Stafford and Cooper Cup was electric. Spoiler alert, my number one is going to be Cooper Cup.
1: So look out for those top 10 lists a little, a little later on down the year, but... Let's talk about the guy we mentioned before, Aaron Donald. We can talk about his greatness. He's been in the league for eight seasons. Eight, count them. You can count them all on two hands. Eight Pro Bowls, seven All-Pros, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, a Super Bowl champion, and a 2010 All-Decade team. What player in NFL history has been more dominant than
0: Aaron Donald in that span of time? (sighs) Man. There's only like a handful. I mean... One of them is on your shirt right now, Zach. None of you can see us, but Zach is rocking a uh, Lawrence Taylor tee today. And honestly, we haven't seen that kind of dominance since LT. So, I mean, Aaron Donald definitely is the best defensive player I've ever seen play as in my time of watching football. I mean, you want to throw guys like... Uh, I don't know, Ray Lewis up there, because we got to see Ray Lewis for the majority of his career. You could throw Ray Lewis you know, in there, De- Ed
1: Reed, J.J. Watt. Darrell I mean,
0: Revis in his prime.
1: Yeah, all those guys were disgusting. But I don't think anybody disrupts a game and is as dominant as Aaron Donald and LT. And I got to give you a little credit here, Sean. I think the guy that you over you have over there in Big D is the next one up for that. Micah Parsons is a stud. Re-
0: wow. You you really mean that, Zach? Yes. Wow. I'm— I- I know I just said, wow, like four times, but I'm just astonished to see that you would, you know, let that comparison be a thing. So I'm not comparing the LT.
1: I'm just saying, you know, maybe a little passing of the guard here with Aaron Donald potentially retiring. Michael Parsons coming into the league and kind of taking over as that next defensive player of the year type caliber player. Because, in all all honesty, if he wasn't a rookie, he probably would have won
0: that too. Well... Those are some kind words coming from a Giants fan, and as a Cowboys fan, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'd lose credibility if I said anything otherwise, so. (laughs) I mean, yeah, because you'd just be speaking blasphemy at that point. But, um, yeah, Aaron Donald is fucking amazing, and probably the number one reason why the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl, but we do got to show some love to Matthew Stafford, okay? And this is a conversation that has been swirling around uh, the last couple of days after the Super Bowl. Okay. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? I believe he's top 15 in most of all of the like top passing stats, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, would you look at that? I actually have them written down here. So why don't I just tell you what he's ranked? Please. On top of being a Super Bowl champion after getting out of Detroit and the first season with a capable team, he's also 12th all-time in passing yards at the age of 34. He's 12th all-time in passing touchdowns, and he's only 53rd at interceptions all-time, and there's a lot of names on that list because a lot of them have ties, but one would think that the gunslinger that Matthew Stafford is, that he'd be like somewhere in the top 30 of interceptions or something like that. Nope. He's not even in the top 40. So, you have a ton of quarterbacks that are higher on that list that are in the Hall of Fame. I think Matt Stafford getting out of Detroit was the best thing for him, and the Rams brought him in there to win the Super Bowl, and... I think him doing that and playing at an elite level for the most of the season, I mean, he had his bad weeks, but that no-look pass, who else is doing that other than Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, realistically? Come on now. The arm talent is all there. It's been there since he got into the league. He just
0: needed a good team.
1: I think that's it. I think he's a Hall of Famer.
0: All right. Well, what I took from what you just read is that Matthew Stafford has had a great career in compiling stats. Now... Does the Super Bowl kind of, like, put the cherry on top of his career? Yeah, in some respects. But has Matthew Stafford ever won an MVP? No. Has he ever won an Offensive Player of the Year award? No. Has he ever really been on, you know, good teams? I mean, listen, I get it. He spent most of his career in Detroit. But I think... You know, if he doesn't decide to retire, I think we need to kind of see what happens after this year for Matthew Stafford before I want to throw him into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, like we said, this conversation has been going around in NFL circles, and I think Richard Sherman brought up a good point. Um, You guys can go check out his podcast, but the point he pretty much made was that, like, what is the bar for the Hall of Fame at this point? And is it diluted? You know, uh, like, are we just throwing in guys who just have these great stats because they're the only guys that we can throw in? You know what I mean? Like, I I just, I think there needs to be a bit of a higher standard set. And don't get me wrong, I do think Matthew Stafford is a phenomenal quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen Mm -hmm. play. But I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I think we just need to see how the rest of his career plays out.
1: I hear you 100%, dude, and to the point of the stat padding and all that kind of stuff, I would agree with you. The teams he was on were never really good outside of Calvin Johnson. He really never had that number one great receiver. I mean, let's be honest, not a lot of quarterbacks in their careers have a Calvin Johnson to throw the ball to, but the Detroit Lions were not built as a good team. They are kind of a dysfunctional organization, so I don't really trust them in making the decisions and putting a team around Matthew Stafford, but his ability to show up in the clutch in the playoffs, I think prior to the Super Bowl, he only had one interception and the other one in there was a, a tip pass by number 18. I don't even know his name. But he performed big in the big time. He proved to everybody that he's got arm talent and he can play at an elite level with whoever's around him. Don't get me wrong, Cooper Cup is probably the top three receiver in the league, like you said. But I just think that the toughness on the guy, the character, and his ability to be clutch down the stretch is ultimately why I would put him in over some other guys.
0: No, I think you're right. A hundred percent, he's... He's got Hall of Fame toughness, okay? I put his toughness up there with guys like Terry Bradshaw, you know, those old-school quarterback-type guys. Like, Matthew Stafford is a tough son of a bitch. He broke his
1: collarbone and came back into the game through a game-winning touchdown pass against the Browns like, in his rookie
0: season. Yeah, no, like, nobody does that shit anywhere, you know? And, honestly, he took a fucking beating in the fucking in the Super Bowl as well, you know? Like, that was a very tough game played by both those defenses. And, you know, ultimately... I think just the Rams, this is what the Rams were built for. You know what I mean? This is why they spent all those picks. They sent all those picks away to get these players to come in here to win a Super Bowl, and
1: they accomplished it. Yeah, fuck them picks. They don't have a a first-round pick until 2024. But I don't think the defense and the offense were the only reasons the game ended the way it did, Sean. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding the game about the refereeing and all that kind of stuff. You know, you pointed earlier to the T. Higgins touchdown, the debatable offensive pass interference, and aside from that call and the final two minutes of the game, it was a pretty clean game. The refs kind of kept their flags in their
0: pocket, but let's go back to that final two minutes. That final two minutes was like a whole little synopsis of the entire NFL season just wrapped into, you know, however many plays it was, but shit. (laughs) Yeah, so...
1: You started off with the first penalty, I think it was on third down, and Sean and I were watching the game together, and we kind of knew it was going to happen based off of the formation and the motions and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately, Cooper Cup ended up being covered by a linebacker and Logan Wilson.
0: Yeah, I think we both looked at, like, we both audibly said, oh, fuck, a linebacker's covering him.
1: Yeah, that's just not a good move by you, Cincinnati, so that's the first wrong thing. They called holding on Logan Wilson. It was a little bit of a ticky tack call, but... It was third down. It gave the Rams an automatic first down. I think Cooper Cup scored on the next player. There's two plays after that, but they called a holding on the offense. They and, were offsetting penalties. Yeah, yeah, offsetting penalties where Cooper Cup scored. But then I think he got down to like second or third down, and they ran a little out route to Cooper Cup. Eli Apple. Oh, Eli Apple, bro. Oh. Brandon Marshall just oh, put out. What are you doing? That he told Eli Apple when they played for the Giants, do not give a number one receiver. Outside leverage. And what did he do to Cooper Cup on that play? And the game-winning touchdown.
0: Took two steps to his right, which was to the inside part of the uh, field. Where you have help. (laughs) Which would ultimately give Cooper Cup the outside. A
1: free release to the outside, and Eli Apple got called for pass interference. Put the ball on the one-yard line, and they went right back to him on a little end zone fade. Cooper Cup caught the ball. Game over. Game over. Cincinnati had a drive, but like you said earlier, Aaron Donald didn't really allow anything to manifest there.
0: Do you think that the penalties ultimately were good calls? I just think the NFL has an officiating problem. I got to be honest with you. I just think that these refs have their own interpretation of the rules, and nobody is on the same page when it comes to how these rules should be, you know, officiated. And I think it needs to be addressed at this point because – Something's got to give. We can't have these games being decided by these ticky-tack calls and bullshit penalties and who's upset over this and which fan upset over that. It's, just, it's, it's bullshit at this point.
1: I think the refs have way too much power in deciding games, ultimately. You know, the judgment calls, I don't really go by that. Um, you want to talk about consistency? Probably the most inconsistent sport when it comes to refereeing. You didn't call one all game. You wait until the last three minutes to call your first penalty. Like, you let them fight all game. At the end of the day, it's football, man. You just got to let them play. But I didn't have a problem with a lot of the penalties. The one little ticky tack one was the holding on Logan Wilson, but I can see why they called it. I just don't like how the refs ultimately decide the end of the games more so than not. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, when push comes to shove, it was a pretty good Super Bowl. I wouldn't rank it in my top five, but nonetheless, it was. Entertaining for the most part. Sean, what'd you think of the halftime
0: show? Oh man, I was hoping we would talk about this. Um, I felt like I was twelve years old again, watching all my favorite rappers and you know, Mary J. Blige go out there and do her thing. I thought Dollar Bill looked a little uncomfortable. Dollar fifty? <laughs> dollar fifty, dollar bill, whatever the fuck you want to call them. That's not fifty cent no more. But I thought it was really cool how they kind of like redid the in the club. Uh, shot where he's like, you know, standing on top of the ceiling. I thought that was pretty dope. How long do you think he was hanging upside down for? Oh f- well, I there's a clip swirling around on Twitter um, where you can like see the uh, like the set change. And to be honest, he's only hanging there for like three seconds. Before, oh, all right. thank God. Before he, he like actually starts rapping, so not too long. But you can see all the fucking blood. All the <laughs> veins popping out of his forehead. His head. Yeah. Bro, that, that must have been super uncomfortable. But, you know, I had a wonderful time watching the halftime show. And I think a lot of people our age also felt the same way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I liked it. Um, And if you saw that clip, I'm sure you saw the clip of Snoop Dogg taking a little puff puff out of something right before he went on stage. I thought he was going to bring it on stage I don't know
0: man. There I mean there was there was bets out there yeah. on sports books that would he actually smoke on stage? I mean, he did smoke at the Super Bowl. He did. So, no one can say that he didn't do that and it's legal in California, so it would be pretty like off brand for him not to be smoking at the Super Bowl. So, you know, if you didn't think that was going to happen, you were just naive. Right. But, but um yeah, uh to kind of close out our Super Bowl conversation, Zach... I just have one more question about the Super Bowl. Okay, well... What was your favorite commercial? Oh, man. I was just going to ask you the same thing.
1: Great minds think alike. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you what mine was. I think without a doubt, for me, it was the Sopranos one with Meadow and AJ. You fucking asshole. I mean, <laughs> uh, come on, man. Oh, come it on. Clear- in-
0: it clearly was the best one.
1: You man. haven't even finished it yet. I finished the show. You're in the middle of it. not going to spoil it anything for you, but... That one was one of my favorites. The one with Seth Rogen and Paul Run was a good one. Um, Salma Hayek is always a winner in my book,
0: so... Yeah, she's bad as hell. Although, I did think that Arnold Schwarzenegger looked like he was about to pass out with all that goddamn gear on. But, shit, Salma Hayek is bad as hell. Um, ah, damn, if I'm gonna have to pick one that's not the Sopranos one... You could pick the Sopranos one if you want. No, nah, I really did enjoy that. Metal Sopranos, fine ass. But, uh... You know which one I actually really enjoyed that I thought was uh, a good marketing tool for the NFL? That commercial they had uh, with all their players being like uh, cartoon characters. Oh, where they jump out of the TV? Yeah. I thought that was pretty dope. I thought they brought in a lot of, you know, really prominent, you know, current players and past players and they made it like accessible for kids. You know what I mean? So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It reminded me of like the NFL 100 commercial where they're all at the dinner and they're all kind of like
1: tackling each other. Yeah. That's what it gave me vibes of, but that was a cool one, too. So that will actually conclude our Super Bowl talk and the 2021-22 NFL season. It's going to be a little while before we talk about anything NFL-related, unless it's like some breaking news or one of our favorite players gets traded or goes to another team on some crazy shit. Um, But one more thing that I want to talk about before we get out of here is Giants and the Cowboys' seasons were kind of disappointing in their own little ways.
0: Yes, they were.
1: How are you feeling about your Cowboys going into this offseason? I could tell you one thing. I'm feeling optimistic about my Giants. You know, got a new GM, young guy, offensive minded coach, putting together an all star staff. It's hard to, you know, be pessimistic about this team because it can't get any worse than what it was. <laughs> so the only way is up in my eyes. And I feel like this offense can kind of be a little bit more modern with their approach to things and maybe put up more than 17 points a game. Defense. Love the hire at DC and Martindale. Going to bring that attacking defense back. Blitzes like crazy. So, looking forward to that and looking forward to the draft, man. But, like I mentioned, both of our teams were very bad for different reasons or disappointing, in other words. Sean, why you, you had a much better
0: season than the Giants? Why are you looking so gloom? Uh, man, because honestly, Zach, I think you have much more reason for optimism as a Giants fan than I do as a Cowboys fan right now, okay? Because, like you said, it can only get better for you from here. But my feeling as a Cowboys fan is that this is the bar. Really? This is the bar. There's like some imaginary fucking line that Jerry Jones just seems like he's okay with hitting. And what I mean by that is, He's okay with his team being just good enough and have just enough cohesion amongst the organization to like be a playoff team and be incredibly relevant and you know that is partly in due to the fact that he's a great businessman but as far as running a team is concerned I have no hope anymore. Okay? What else
1: could he have done differently this season?
0: Well, I'm going to tell you why I feel this way in particular as opposed to other parts of the season. Um this man just doesn't know how to shut the fuck up. Okay? He's been going on radio down in Dallas talking about, oh, Mike McCarthy is pretty much saying that Mike McCarthy is like on the hot seat and then that like if it were up to Jerry Jones, which like is a stupid thing to say because like it is. Um, Dan Quid could definitely be the head coach of the Cowboys. Something to that effect. So just like stirring the pot amongst the organization for no fucking reason.
1: Just causing drama. And I just recently read something today that something happened with a cheerleader and Jerry Jones maybe videotaping them changing in their locker room. And that he gave her some hush money to the tune of $2.4 million. I don't know if what you know about this or if you can answer to it, but... It's just something that I heard. And you have your hands on your cheeks like you're
0: thinking this is baloney. I don't know what to believe anymore, okay? I just don't want to think about the Dallas Cowboys until the draft. So, no, you you guys will not be hearing any Cowboys talk from me for a while. So I'm, I'm, hope, I'm sure everybody will, will be very happy about that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very happy about that. But you're going to hear a lot of Giants talk from me. One of the best parts of being bad is you have a very interesting offseason. And the new league year starts March 13th. So we have that to look forward to. We have the Combine to look forward to. And then the draft in April is when we start ramping up our NFL content back on the show with our mock drafts and whatnot. But until then, we're going to have to find something to talk about. Because the NBA All-Star break is next week. So we're going to be basically jumping off of that point and kind of catching up with that league. Baseball's got to get their shit together. Like I said, Universal DH, everyone wins in that situation. Matt Harvey's in the news for some bad shit. But, you know, baseball's been quiet because of the lockout.
0: Yeah, man. And I'm sure once baseball, you know, like you said, gets their shit together, that couple weeks span, you know, if they decide to, you know, agree to something— He's going to be fucking insane with teams just making moves left and right, trades, signings. So it's going to be crazy. Like you said, we got the NBA finally kicking off. I know personally for me, I don't really like to start paying attention to the NBA until after the All-Star break. Because that's just when I feel like teams really start to like give a shit. But a lot of really great storylines in the NBA. Luka Doncic dominating. Uh, Joel Embiid having an MVP-type season, the whole James Harden and Ben Simmons saga. So there is a lot to talk about, and we will get into those things in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be an exciting time. It's a new year, 2022. It's going to be a lot of fun shit to talk about in the coming months, I think.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. But Knicks still suck, so huh. nothing new there.
0: Nope, nothing ever changes, huh?
1: Nope, not going to be talking them for a little while, at least until the draft again for them, but... That's going to cap off our NFL season and close out this episode of the Heated Rivals podcast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Heated Rivals Pod 15. Get us on TikTok and Twitter at Heated Rivals 15. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, whatever you're listening to as long as you're listening. Without further ado, I'm Zach Durkin.
0: And I'm Sean Robinson.
1: And this has been the Heated Rivals podcast.
0: Take care, everybody. Peace.